0: Good morning. Welcome to Money Matters. Jennifer Stone and Tom Brown filling in for Dave Petzo today. Um, thank you for joining us. We would love phone calls, 580 KIDO, 580-5436. Or if you would prefer, email's fine, jstone at petsofinancial.net. So Tom and I were talking about what in the world did we want to talk today on the radio about and his favorite topic and mine as well is taxes. I know That's we tend lie.
1: <laughs> it is not your favorite.
0: And we tend to kind of shy away from talking about it just because it's so complex and you know it's it's not exactly a fun topic but it's a very 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 needed discussion. It is such a big part of your budget. Uh, We talk to people about sitting down when you're about to retire and understanding what you need to live on. Go through your cell phone, Bill. Look at if you can save on subscriptions, you know, insurance, and all these little tiny pieces. But the biggest percentage of almost any budget other than housing is taxes.
1: Yeah, and if you look at it, there's a lot of taxes that we don't even pay attention to that don't even make it to the the spreadsheet. You know, Social Security... Medicare, all those things are being withheld that we don't pay attention to. Your regular income taxes are being withheld you don't pay attention to how much it, it is. It
0: is such a psychological thing, too. We say mm-hmm. if you withhold to save, you don't notice it and you'll automatically do it. But that also means the same thing for when you sign up, you do that nice little W-4, how much would you like withheld for taxes and all that goes into it. And once that starts, you just get your paycheck and you don't really pay attention to these right. taxes that you're paying.
1: Right. And then if you get a refund every year, you aren't. You aren't paying it again. You're not paying attention. It it shadow overlays what the taxes were really cost because you go, well, I didn't pay any taxes because I got a refund. That's not true.
0: Yeah. And you feel good about it too. A lot of people use that as their forced savings, right? That Mm -hmm. they put extra withholding because it goes in and then they get it back at tax time. So there's all these ways that we trick our mind not to pay attention to very important things. Yeah. Uh, and also right now they're incentivizing a lot of people to start retirement plans for employees. If you're a small employer, start helping put people's money away. And then on the flip side, when you get to retirement, they force you to take income on that money that you save so long mm-hmm. to keep and invest and build.
1: Mm-hmm. It's like they're, the government is building um, annuities for, for themselves later for all this money that they can get from the from rmds and so forth that they force people to or they encourage people to save along the way so they could have extra tax revenue later yeah and it's there's a
0: really interesting opinion piece in the wall street journal which we all like to read and enjoy looking at and it's talking about how new york and florida had very very similar populations a few years ago which we all know this this isn't nothing anything new at all i mean if you pay attention to the news at all we know where people are leaving what states in which they're going to But when you really dive into those numbers, and then my mind goes into all these rabbit holes of what about this? What about that? Because I always like to question the data and not just look at what's given to me. But if you really just take it at an overview, it's amazing to look at the amount of income tax that's paid in Florida. Zero. The amount that's paid in New York is up to 15% in some cities. You think about that difference right there. Of course, that's the first check. Okay, well, right there, of course, I'd like to live in Florida, other than it's also sunshiny and wonderful, right? But then you look at it deeper, and they actually have less revenue from taxes by half than New York. Let that sink in for a minute. You pay more tax and you get less when you live in New York than if you live in Florida and they can't just move around with the income tax all the time because theirs is just based on sales tax. So then your mind starts to think, okay, well, what about where you live? How much tax do you pay? You pay income tax in most states, sales tax, property tax, licensing, which is another form of a tax, social security and Medicare. When you add all those numbers up, some states, if you're in just a maybe a middle-of-the-brown 20% federal bracket, then you add 6% state. I'm just rounding numbers off here. 6% sales tax, and you start jumping all this in. Well, you're only supposed to really budget about 25% to 26 for housing, but I'm already into the 30s on income tax. Mm-hmm. You see why well, you have to pay attention to that when you're really looking maybe potentially towards retirement or when you're doing your budget. What is your biggest expense? Mm-hmm. Tom knows this right now because, of course, he's in tax season. Um, One of the things he does, and we use him a lot for this, uh, he works for Petso Financial as a certified financial planner. He's done that since 2005. But on the other hand, he's also run a tax business, and he's done this for over 20 years, and it's called Marathon Tax. So during tax season, he's killing himself doing taxes in addition to doing the financial planning side. So he sits down with people all the time to go through these numbers. So that's why we thought today we're going to spend more time diving into this and finding out what does it really look like for the average person. Yeah. Good. So um, one of the things that you really want to think about when you're budgeting is sit down and look at your overall budget. Again, I know we hammer on this all the time. But sit down and figure out what you're spending, what you're saving, and where all your money goes. If your goal is to pay off your house, well, look at how much of that is actually insurance and taxes versus what you're paying on principal. We're going to dive into what does interest payments look like? What is itemizing? What about standard deductions? I know this is all fluffy and flowery. It sounds exciting, doesn't it? But it's so <laughs> important to know. And also, though, just wanted to touch on the markets real quick. Who would have thought they would be up this year?
1: I know. Out of the blue. Um, and that's isn't that crazy? that. And this is why we always say you have to stay invested. Because if you're out when these things come out of the blue, um, it really impacts your long-term rate of return. Mm -hmm.
0: And, you know, they said nobody can own tech stocks anymore. You hear Dave say this all the time, right? Throw them out. We're done. They can't make money in a high-interest environment. It just is possible to do so. Well, the NASDAQ, which is very tech-heavy, this year is up 13%. Yeah, I know. Last week wasn't great. I know, I know. But we could pick cherry pick days Mm -hmm. all the time. But what I like to look at is a little longer periods. The Dow's up. The S&P's up. And the NASDAQ's up the most. Exactly opposite of what people thought would happen.
1: It always happens that way, isn't it?
0: It does. It does. So what do you think, Tom, as you're starting your tax season, uh, would be the biggest piece of advice? I mean, I think one of the things we've noticed, so we're going to dive into details. But first, Mm -hmm. I think the one thing that people forget to do is provide all the tax forms to their tax preparer.
1: Yeah, that that is the thing is to to get, and you should start doing this before, you know, as it, the white year, like we do at the year end, here's what you should be doing at the year end, here's what you should be doing as you prepare going forward <clears throat> is, is you know, look at last year's tax return. You know, that's the great, that's the best way. If someone is coming in to, new to me, and I haven't ever dealt with them before, I go, please just bring in last year's, or last two years tax returns. And you look at where you start, and then you just kind of go, okay, has anything changed from there? And then do that. I send out a little checklist uh, that my software produces that says, these are the documents that you used last year. Look at that, and that's a good place to start. And then just, oh yeah, I I did take money out of an IRA this year. Therefore, I got a 1099R out there. I didn't ever do that before, so um, start doing that. I've had two or three people that are also clients of Petzl Financial that, you know, I go, oh, well, I know you have another document because I know who you are. And so that's that, that was helpful in that case. But a lot of people don't pay attention to, oh, you know, mm-hmm. something did change. I need to see if I need to pr- bring something else. Yeah.
0: And I know it seems like it's an easy thing that and everything is in such mm-hmm. a digital electronic world that we should just be able to push a button and everything files in. But it doesn't work quite like that. And also it seems the more custodians are really wanting people to go electronic on delivery of their statements. So you used to get something in the mail, so you wait for it to come in the mail and it doesn't show up so you don't think you have one. Check to see if it's being now delivered through an email that says, hey, you've got a tax form available, log in and please print this to take to your tax preparer. Because I think a lot of people don't realize that that's how they're being delivered now. I was a little surprised because it used to be electronic and paper both, but now a lot are being delivered electronically.
1: Yeah. um Banks, their, their uh, interest statements and mortgage statements, a lot of them are all waiting for you to log in to get them. They're mm-hmm. not coming in the mail anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. And I know it's good. I, this is all exciting stuff, right? But here's the thing to think about, too. We're going to share a lot of stories of things that we've seen as people have forgotten to do things or they get that nasty letter two years after they file their taxes that they forgot to give the tax form to their accountant. So he says, well, if I didn't have this, I didn't know. Don't totally lose your mind if you get that letter. It's mm-hmm. easily fixed.
1: Yep. Um, getting letters from the IRS shouldn't be something that you just lose your mind about. Um, I have had many times where we were able to completely re- erase whatever uh, was set. It's, they said was owed because we just dug deeper and, and found out that it was an error on the IRS part or um, there was additional information that they just didn't have. Uh, one thing that happens a lot that people get these big letters because you get these letters that says you owe, and it's dark, big, black, or bold face, and it, and uh, it's very scary. Mm-hmm. And, but um, if you sell a house. Right. Um, if you sell your personal residence, the tax rule says you don't even have to report it, but you should. Because even if it's going, you're in the exclusion and you're not going to pay any taxes on the game, um, you should still report it. And so forth. And then you won't get that letter. I've had a few people that um, it was their personal residence, but they still got this letter It says they owe over $100,000 because they didn't report the house sale and they don't have the basis. So it all shows up as a gain.
0: Yeah, and that's getting really weedy. When we talk about basis, we'll explain that more, too. Uh, And if you have questions on this, call us. That's why we're here. Tom's got a lot of tax information in his brain of his. I know a little bit, just enough to be dangerous. So together, we should be able to answer your questions. Also, there are so many different tax forms that you need to be aware of. Uh, So do make sure that you understand that timing of these. We get a lot of phone calls this time of year for people that have investment accounts that aren't in IRAs. They have tax forms that come out, but what they do with those tax forms is every company or position you own has to provide information to that custodian. They gather it together. That's why it's called a consolidated 1099, and they print it off for you to bring in. That way you have all of it in one place instead of waiting for tax forms from, say, you have a mutual fund with one company and you have a stock with another company. So instead of having all that, you're able to put it on one consolidated form, bring it to your accountant, and he can work on it. So with that, it takes a bit longer and there's not that same deadline of the end of January that everyone assumes is there. So please be patient. And also, sometimes they restate those a lot of times. And that means they're going to send new information to the custodian to update, which means they do an updated 1099 to you. So be patient if you have investment accounts. It does take a bit of time to gather all that data and generate to you. But when they do, it's a nice, pretty sheet.
1: Mm-hmm. And a lot of software programs allow you to download them now, and they can download them right in the tax return. So that's mm-hmm. find out if that's available because that uh, eliminates a lot of entry error
0: yeah it's a, they have like they ask for like a document id number and a couple other bits of information and it just pre-populates it's pretty mm-hmm. cool yeah. so technology is good in a lot of ways and it's a real hassle yeah, in you others Still
1: got to pay attention Make you do sure that things are getting yes you do right.
0: all right so we're going to take a real quick break and then jim we'll get to you but let's take our break now and then when we come back we'll have enough time to talk with you again phone calls are welcome 580-KIDO-580-5436 Hello and welcome to Money Matters. Jennifer Stone and Tom Brown filling in for Day Pets. So today we are talking all things taxes. Uh, one of the highlighted shows of my year, but it's great. Honestly, I do think it's very important and I'm glad we're taking the time to do this. But again, phone calls are welcome. 580-KIDO, 580-5436. But let's jump to the phones. Good morning, Jim.
2: Morning, Jennifer and Tom. How's it going? Good. How are you? Fine, thanks. I just got to tell you about a a letter I got from the IRS itself. And uh, anyway, it says Dear taxpayer, we received your December 31st, uh, 2021, uh, Form 1040, Federal uh, Individual Income Tax Return, but we need more information to process the return accurately, unless, unless required otherwise. Send us your reply within 20 days. Then later on, it says, Provide more information on how you calculated $3 on line 20 of Form 1040 and attach attach supporting forms or schedules as required. Okay, here's my reply. Dear sirs or mrs, I have no idea what you are talking about. Line 20 of Form 1040 happens to be Schedule 3, additional credits and payments, I reported $291 foreign tax credit. I went over the entire tax return with a magnifying glass, and a magnifying glass was required, and nowhere (sighs) did I find the $3 you seem to be worried about.
0: Jeez. And you realize all that they took, the people to prepare the— well, it was a machine, I'm sure, that prepared it, and everything that went into sending that to you over $3.
2: This is so asinine, and it's so off the—you know— it's almost like they are, they are uh, uh, given uh, some sort of a, a benefit for the amount of crap they might send out. But, it sometimes
0: seems like it, doesn't it?
2: But, you know, the thing is, I mean, most of us with, uh, with the IRS, we, uh, we hesitate to send back a snippy answer, which I did. I'm thinking it's so ridiculous because, you know, you don't want to get on their bad list and all that crap. But I just thought I'd mention that to you.
0: Yeah, yeah. We've seen letters that come through, too, that sometimes make absolutely zero sense. And when you reply back that they make zero sense, they go, oh, we're sorry, it's our mistake. Because mistakes do happen. And sometimes I wonder if it's going through a machine and it picks up something weird versus a person doing it because everything's electronic at the IRS anymore. So all
1: all those are computer generated. They they just they go through, they find something and it automatically generates a letter.
0: Yeah. So, unfortunately, uh, yeah, no, it's frustrating. No. no.
2: I, mean, I mean, this was so off the wall and three bucks. Give me a break. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: No, I hear you for sure. We'll
2: All right. Take care.
0: All right, Jim, you too. All right. So, we are at the end of the first hour. Please give us a call next hour with any of your questions. We'll try to, our best to answer them. And as always, our phone number is 580 KIDO 580 5436. Good morning. Welcome back to Money Matters. Uh, Jennifer Stone and Tom Brown filling in for Dave Petzo today. He and I are both certified financial planners, CFPs, as you may see the designation, and have been with Petzo for Tom almost 20 years, me almost 30. So we've been doing this for a very long time. We've had a lot of stories from people in situations where they have had issues with tax planning. So that's why we thought today we would spend the majority of the time talking about taxes, planning, and how maybe we can give you some little bit of ideas or Tips on maybe making your plan a little bit better for you. Yeah. Uh, phone calls, of course, 580 K IDO five four three six, or you can shoot me an email, jstone at petsofinancial.net, if you would prefer. Um, I'll check it periodically and we'd be glad to answer them that way anytime. So if you have a question that comes up this week, shoot me an email. I'll be happy to help then, too. So one of the most confusing, and I'm going to throw that out there, things that has ever happened, and I don't know why they sit around and meddle with things that just seem crazy is required minimum distributions. For some reason, the last few years, they've decided that's the hot button and they're going to mess with it every year and change something. Um, 2019, I think, was the last year that it was normal. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then they increased the age from 70 and a half to 72. And then this year, they moved it to 73. So what that means is once you hit the magical age of 73, you are now forced to take income from any IRAs or qualified plans, whether you need it or want it or not. You have to take it out over your life expectancy, which is a table set by the IRS. And it is a factor, not a percentage. Sometimes people see the number and they go, 27.4, that's a huge percent. I've got to take a quarter of my account. No, it's around 4%. You take the year-ending value every year and divide it by the new life expectancy table. So the first year you would take, if you were 73 this year, you would take your 12-31-2022 value. Divide it by the first factor, which is 27.4. I believe, or did they leave it adjusted to 20? Anyway, doesn't matter. By a factor, and that's what your required minimum distribution is. Custodians, TD Ameritrade, Schwab, anybody that you have funds with will help you calculate this. It is usually on your year-end statement.
1: Yeah, and uh, what is really interesting to me when I started in this business is where would 70.5 come from?
0: right. Right? Uh-huh. Who, who
1: sat around and go, let's, let's throw half on there. And 59 and a and half, half for distributions. Yeah. I don't know like, what that is. Just like uh, that would be interesting research it would. to find out is what, what was the magic about a half. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yep. Because you're going to go, okay, it's not quite, I got to wait till next Wednesday, and then mm-hmm. it's a half. Then I can do it. It's mm-hmm. just like silly.
0: It is. It really is. So maybe 73 makes sense. Life expectancy's gotten longer, so I do understand why. Oh, no, and
1: I think it was good to do it. Uh, it's just that now they're doing it like hey, let's do it again. Let's right. do it again. And right. then everybody's just confused.
0: Correct. Right. It is. And a lot of people that were planning on it did some tax planning for that. They get one year break if they don't reach the age. Of, so they thought it was 72. Mm-hmm. Now they have another year. So it's a it's an okay thing. But remember to check in all the time. This is something you need to not miss. They are reducing the penalty. It used to be 50%. I think they've dropped it now to 25, 25. And then they said something about 10 if you catch it and fix it. So it's not as punitive.
1: Yeah, I think that they're they're still trying to figure it out. They make a rule and then they go, how are we going to enforce this?
0: Yeah. So I want to share a couple stories with folks that have reached this age. Uh, This might make it clearer when we say starting a tax planning discussion while you're saving for retirement is as important as it is when you retire. The reason why is we can diversify between asset classes, stocks, bonds, all the different types of real estate, whatever it might be. We can diversify there. But what about different taxation? We have clients that used to, when they reached, they're probably in their 80s now because Ross really weren't available. So they always saved pre tax. They deducted from their paycheck, it went into their 401k, and they did a great job living within their means, have social security, potentially pensions as well, mm-hmm. and they just saved. So then they get to retirement. They don't have a lot of savings accounts, like with the bank, that's non-qualified or non-taxable. But they have a lot of money that's taxable. But they really don't need it now because they've always lived within their means. Social Security's fine, maybe with a little bit of a pension. They hit this age, and now they have to take a large amount of money. We've had people say, I never made that much while Mm -hmm. working. I have to take a required distribution of over $100,000 on my investments? I never made that while working. What am Mm -hmm. I supposed to do with that? Tom sees it more than anyone because yeah. how does that affect everything else? Oh yeah,
1: because it causes your Social Security to be taxable or more to be taxable. It uh, it causes everything to to change. So um, so it is. It's, it's putting you in a different tax bracket. It's all it affects your other income um, and uh, and something that you. There was a lot of people that haven't been even filing taxes. And all of a sudden, oh, now I have to file a tax return because I'm 72 or 73 now. Mm-hmm. And I have to take all this money out. And so it's it, it can be a real shock.
0: Yeah. And then it does affect Medicare. I mean, right. you may pay your more. Surcharge. You get hit with more tax on your Social Security. Like, it's just this ripple effect of everything that it potentially can tax because you're forced to take this distribution. So planning for it and understanding and potentially taking a little bit from your IRA before you get to the point where you have to take it out. So maybe take half of that and start right-sizing your IRA so maybe it's not as painful at retirement. And there's also a way you can donate your required minimum distribution up to $100,000. It's called a qualified distribution. But the thing with that is now you're also saying, wow, I'm giving away $100,000? So this is this psychological thing. It's not that folks aren't charitable, it's just that they stop and go, I'm giving away more than I made most of my working years just to avoid paying tax and causing higher Medicare premium or Medicare premiums and all this ripple effect. Mm-hmm.
1: On the flip side though, if you are charitable, then you should take advantage of that. It's a no-brainer that you'd want to give everything out of your IRA if you give to your church on mm-hmm. a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, then, then it's a great opportunity for you there.
0: Right. So I, I think that touched a little bit on um, how RMDs work. Just keep in mind, RMD, required minimum distribution. We like to throw acronyms around, but that's all it means is you're forced now to take money from an IRA. But also remember, don't forget about any qualified plans. A lot of times people leave employment and they may have collected 401ks, which means you have them all over the place. Highly suggest you consolidate because it makes it easier. But if you don't, Your required minimum distribution has to come out of each individual qualified plan. If it's in an IRA or multiple IRAs, you can consolidate and take from one. So there are rules with that. I highly suggest you talk to a tax preparer like Mm -hmm. Tom or an accountant to understand what happens if you don't do that properly. All right, We also want to touch on inheritance, but before we do that, we do have an email that we'd like to address. All right, Ken, um, this was something we were going to cover, so we appreciate you asking the question. Are the 2022 Idaho tax rebates going to be taxable at the federal level?
1: That is not hasn't been determined yet. Um, they just came out with guidance this last week of no guidance, and they're saying hold off and <clears throat> don't um, don't file. If, if you have filed, then just don't do anything at this point, but wait until see what the IRS does. I can't believe it that now it's tax season and it's, we're in the second month of tax season, and the IRS still hasn't decided whether they're gonna be taxable or not. So um, so if you're doing your taxes, prepare them, get them all ready to go, and then you're just gonna to have to, wait, to deci- wait for the IRS to determine that, and I'm sure it'll be in the news um, pretty uh, good, or your accountant will know, if you're working with an accountant, that it might be taxable or not.
0: Which is kind of an interesting thing, too, because we were talking about this before the show started, if you didn't itemize and you just received a standard deduction, how does that affect this? I,
1: usually in these cases, that's the only people it affects are people that itemize and deduct their state income tax um, payments. So I suspect that's what it's going to do again. But they said, just make sure, just don't do anything if you can, if you unless you have to. Um, so uh, so the whole thing is, you know. Prepare get, but don't yep, file. Hold and wait. Yep, okay. Get ready okay. and wait.
0: Yeah. I don't understand why they make changes after the end of the year. It just makes it so confusing and complicated for folks. They give you a deadline that you have to file at a certain time, so accountants sit around scrambling on how to handle basic returns with this situation. In the state of Idaho, do they not file anybody? Everybody's forced to extend. Yeah, it's they just have a all these piling thing.
1: up like cordwood. Yeah. And the thing is, is that they knew this happened. <clears throat> they knew these states were doing this, and now they're just deciding, oh, yeah, we. we I forgot. We need to get the, figure that out. We need to out. figure this out. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. So I guess it was great to get a tax rebate and now we're stuck wondering what to do with it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Can we appreciate your question? Hope that answered it. I know it's pretty vague, but we don't have clarity yet either. Mm -hmm. All right. So if you inherit money that's qualified or an IRA, we're just going to use the term IRA um, and you inherit money. You are now required to take the distribution. If someone passed after the year 2019, so 2020 and on, you're required to take the funds out within 10 years. That's a huge change from prior before it was stretched over your life and you could take it over your life expectancy. The also kicker is you cannot give that to charity like people can that are over the required distribution age, but you do have to take it out over 10 years. So folks that are planning to give a large amount to your kids understand that that's how they now have to take those distributions and they have to have it out within 10 years and they're also talking about another confusing point why they have to throw this in is if the person that passed was requiring or taking distributions was required to whoever inherits has to at least take that amount and also has to have the money out within 10 years I know again this is getting very weedy and very complicated so with questions make sure you reach out but these are the things you're dealing with upon retirement and your heirs have to deal with when you pass.
1: Yeah. And again, I don't think they thought it through, right? Cuz they start passed this law and then they didn't talk about required minimum distributions and then like 2 years later they're going, "Okay, well, we're not going to penalize you for those first 2 years, but we need you we need to clarify who needs to take out what when." Right. Because uh, We're not getting our tax money the way we wanted it, I think.
0: I think someone sat down and said, we need revenue. So here's a good place to go, right? People inherit money. It was never meant to be a pass on of wealth. It was supposed to be income for the person that saved it. Well, I don't think that's necessarily true. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people felt this is a great way to pass on wealth to their family. And if they chose to do that, that should be their right. But now they're forced to give it out over 10 years.
1: Yeah. So you really have to plan, right? Mm -hmm. Because uh, it isn't just a what it was before where you just took out your required minimum distribution at least every year and the, and that was fine. Now it's really, okay, what do I do with 500000 over 10 years? This is a big deal.
0: It is. It is. And it's it, it can cause a lot of other things for those folks that are working as well because then their earned income goes away. Their tax bracket goes up. If they're in retirement, then all of a sudden they have to pay more Medicare and they have to pay higher amounts of everything. So. Right. It's a blessing because you receive something. It's a hard time for folks because they do get this large amount of money from someone that passed, but it's something you need to plan for tax-wise. Yeah. Okay. As best as you can. So if and, you...
1: and help your heirs start planning, thinking about it too.
0: Correct. We've actually sat down and met with several families. Um, and if you're comfortable, I think it's a great idea to prepare your children for what they have coming to them and let them understand. You don't have to give full amounts. I know we all live a little bit more of a private life um, if you're of a little bit older generation, and that's great. But it also is important now with all these new rules for everyone to understand what happens if something happens to you. And if you plan to do give to charities, IRA money is a wonderful thing to do. So again, talk to your estate planning attorney. Sit down and decide what's the best use of every dollar and what would you like to accomplish with it.
1: And I quote, and that also, Roth IRAs are also included in this. So <clears throat> although people don't have to take required minimum distributions out of Roth IRAs. They're going to, the people inherit the Roth IRAs will have to liquidate them within that 10 year period too.
0: Which is awesome actually, because I would recommend, and again, I can't make recommendations to your point, but if you have a nice Roth IRA that has to be taken out in 10 years, leave it for 10. Let -hmm. it compound another 10 years and take it out year 10 and you get a nice little bump in return. Mm Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of planning that can be done. So again, that's when accountants, attorneys, and financial advisors all work together to try to develop a plan for you, for your heirs, and your entire life. And we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a bit more about different tax tips. Call us with questions. We'd love to help. 580-KIDO. Good morning. Welcome back to Money Matters. Jennifer Stone and Tom Brown filling in for Dave Pezzo today is he's off deserve with some well-due time off.
1: Yes, very well deserved.
0: Yeah, so before we jump back into our tax discussion, we're going to go ahead and go to the phones. Good morning, Kent. How are you?
3: I'm good. I, I just had a quick question about that RMD going into a charitable contribution. Okay. Can you do that even if you do not itemize? Yes. Oh, well, that's wonderful because President Trump made it so a lot of guys like me don't have to itemize anymore.
0: Exactly. Yeah, with doubling of the standard deduction, that's a huge deal. But how it works, just so you know, any money that comes out of an IRA account shows up on a 1099-R form as a taxable distribution, okay? Right. If you give any of that, and it has to be directly given to the charity, so the IRA distributes it out. Just be sure that you give that information to your accountant because it could be missed and you might be taxed on it even though you give it away.
3: So, for instance, if I ha- if uh, E-Trade has my IRA, they need to send the money directly to the church or charity? Yes.
0: You'll do a, qual- a form. It's a distribution form. And on that, it'll do a qualified distribution. That's the box they check. And to a third party. And it's payable to the charity and sent directly to the charity. You can't take the money, then write a check. It's not the same thing.
3: You just made my day.
0: Okay. I'm glad. That makes my day. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Have a wonderful weekend. You too. Bye. Uh Bye Bye-bye. All right. I just want to restate that one more time. On these qualified distributions, you cannot put the money in your pocket and then write it to the charity. That falls under itemizing. Okay. Okay. You have to directly have the IRA directly give it. Some of these companies, TD Ameritrade's one, allows you to have a checkbook on your IRA. Very handy, because then if you're out and about and you want to write a check to some child that's fundraising, you can write a check to their Boy Scouts of America or Girl Scouts or whatever. Just write them a check and hand it. Keep that in your register. Bring your register to someone like Tom, and he takes care of it. But remember, it will not change the amount that's distributed on that 1099-R. We get that question all the time. That just shows money out.
1: Yeah. and 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 although Kent didn't ask because he hasn't been itemizing evidently, but remember, you cannot then turn around and put that on your Schedule A as a deduction. Right. You don't get both.
0: No but it's still a great way it reduces the income dollar for dollar if you do it yep. this way.
1: No, it it works great. it's better than itemized deductions.
0: It is. Yeah. <laughs> and remember it's up to 100,000. If you want to do more, you have to wait till the next year.
1: And remember 100,000 is the limit. If your RMD is 25,000, you can still do the 100. Um so you're not you don't have to have over a $100,000 deduction. But this R&D. is
0: recalculated every year. Mm-hmm. So if you do 100 and it's only 25, that doesn't give you four years of no yeah. required <laughs> distribution, over. right? So you might want to think about that every year as you do your giving. We have some folks set it up because they like to give to their churches monthly. So you can actually even set that up on your account to send a check to your church right out of that IRA every month. Very flexible, handle it the way you want, but it's a very easy thing for most custodians, mm-hmm. okay? Perfect. All right, a couple things that did happen this year that I am happy about is they did increase the amounts that you can save in your retirement plans. I know this isn't totally tax driven, but it is because your 401k tends to be pre-tax money so it reduces your income. But this is tax bracket situation which I'm going to push off to the expert over here in a minute to understand why you do Roth sometimes and why you do pre-tax. All right? But the new amount that you can contribute this year into a 401k is this is your deferral is twenty two thousand five hundred. That's quite a step up. And if you're over fifty, you get a seventy five hundred dollar catch up. So you can save thirty thousand a year in your four hundred one k. They also increase Ross and IRA this year to sixty five hundred with a thousand dollar catch up. So if you're doing auto contributions to Ross, increase those. Yeah. <clears throat>
1: okay. And and it is a very unique thing about how, should you be contributing to the traditional side of your 401k or the Roth side or, or both. And, and, you know, you might hear on some radio programs, they'll just say, just put all in Roth. And, uh, and I understand that. that that's a, a Roth is great. Right. But we always have to pay attention. If you're in a high tax bracket, let's say you're in the 25 to 33% tax bracket, you're opting to pay that amount of tax plus state. If you're in a state income, we have state income tax, your, and so, in theory, you have to pay or your Roth contribution has to make that tax back to get back to even.
0: Right. Right. So, so what he's saying is Roths after tax, IRAs pre-tax. So, you pay right. tax on the Roth before it goes in.
1: Yeah. So, so you have to kind of take that into consideration, especially if you're older, like you're in your 60s and you're getting ready to to retire. And this comes in with Roth conversions, too. Is it? Do you have the time or do you really to... To get that the big benefit out of the Roth, or would it be better to return, reduce your taxes now, and then have other Roth for later? So, so what I tell people is that you do both, right? You 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 use the traditional to reduce taxes now, and then you also are contributing to the Roth side to reduce taxes later. So you try to balance it, and you should relook at that uh, probably once a year.
0: Mm-hmm. And everyone's different. Every situation's different. If you're at the point of life where you're just starting out saving and you don't pay a lot of tax, you're young, sometimes it makes a lot of sense to look at that and say, if I get tax free dollars for the rest mm-hmm. of my life, compounding tax free, that's going to be a nice pile. So, you know, when we're talking about all these issues in retirement with required distributions, everything else. None of that's there. So as Tom says, though, you need to balance it because you don't know what taxes will like look like in the future. None of us can say. I know we all say they got to go up. Well, do they? I don't know. So sometimes we sit around and we discuss this until we're blue in the face of what we think is going to happen with tax rates. And we don't know.
1: And we'll never know. Right. I mean, we will know at the end and go, oh, 30 years ago, I should have put it all into Roth. And mm-hmm. well, I didn't. Right. Right. Uh, what are you going to do? It's the same thing we argue with. Well, there's a lot of things you do with financial planning that. If you only knew what the future would hold, you can be an expert. But I mean, uh, exactly right, but you're never going to be. The most important thing is that we're saving, Mm -hmm. right? And if we're getting a tax benefit now or later, um, the most important thing is that money's going in.
0: Yeah. And also balance it out. Like I said, you have to have different asset classes to draw from in retirement. If all of your money is taxable, it creates a lot of hardship for you later. Um, If you have a million dollars sitting there and you're in a 25% bracket, it's really only worth $750. So think about that as you're saving and making a plan. When we talk buckets, buckets are different, everyone says different asset class. That's not how we look at it. We say cash available for emergencies and you have a step above that and you have different assets to pull from if you need to buy a car, save for it. If you have other expenses coming, that's what you look at when you're doing a plan and taxes is a super important part of it. So think about that when you're making your budget and you're planning for retirement. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we have a lot of other questions like, should I pay off a house? How does that affect my taxes? What is the difference between itemizing and a standard deduction? And what really did happen with those tax law changes? But again, phone calls, emails, both work. 580-KIDO, jstone at petsofinancial.net. Good morning. Welcome back to Money Matters. Jennifer Stone and Tom Brown filling in for Dave Petso. Uh, thank you for joining us this morning. It's a chilly start of the day and we guess we're still in winter for a while. Yeah. I know, but you know what? That's all right. That's why we're here. Hopefully you're listening to us, cuddled up somewhere warm, drinking a cup of coffee and you know, catching up on your taxes.
1: Yeah, getting ready.
0: Fun day, right? Uh, again, love your phone calls. 580 J Stone at petsofinancial.net. A couple of things that come up almost every discussion we have with folks as they are nearing retirement. Should we pay off our home? That will reduce our expenses dramatically. This is something that you really need to look at as well because most people do escrow, which means they have the bank pay their property tax and insurance for them. So you have on a house payment, again, this is, gets a little weedy, but it's pretty clear. You have principal and interest, okay? The interest goes to the bank. The principal pays down what you owe. But included in that payment is money to pay your property tax and the insurance that you're required to have on your home. That never goes away. So a lot of times people think that I have a $2,000 house payment. If I pay my home off, I'll save $2,000 a month. But if you look at how that breaks down, mostly 500 would probably go Mm -hmm. towards the house payment and the rest is going towards your property tax and insurance Uh, or excuse me, property.
1: You said 500 goes to the payment. Yes. To pay off the house. And then the rest rest, of it is going
0: towards your interest in your property tax. Yeah. Yeah. So when you look at the number, it doesn't really drop your household outflow as much as you think. So when you're budgeting, remember the whole payment doesn't go away, just the principal and interest part of it.
1: Yeah. And then on a, Another part of this that we, uh, you and I had an appointment with somebody, I don't know, within a month, and we were talking about them paying off their house because they inherited some money. I can't remember exactly the case, but they owed less than 50000 and they were hesitant to do that because they said, well, then, but then we'll lose a tax deduction <laughs> if we do that. And yep. um, after 20, 2020, um, because they doubled the standard deduction, a lot of people still have this Thought that their mortgage interest is always being deducted, uh, they don't pay. Don't really realize that their standard deduction is so much that that isn't really helping. Yep. And so that isn't an argument. You need to. That's another reason to pay attention or ask your accountant if you're doing that. I'd say, am I itemizing or not? Because I think people automatically think they are.
0: They do, and they always feel that. I don't think it even clicks in your mind. You just hear your entire life, you keep a debt on your home to get that deduction, and you don't realize with interest rates as low as they've been. A lot of balances are highly decreased by the time you get to retirement. The interest is just not that much. Right. So, Also, uh, I had another client that had just recently retired, sold their home, and decided to RV it for a while. They do owe a bit on the RV, but the rate was low enough. They just didn't want to pay it off. And now they understand that they could actually deduct the interest on the RV because it's their primary home. But they don't owe much on the RV. So it's the same thing.
1: And with RV, you have to have a bathroom in it. Just let you know, that's what their qualifications are.
0: I would hope if that's their primary that they do. It would be really (laughs) uncomfortable, wouldn't it? All right, we're going to go to the phones. Good morning, Terry. How are you?
3: Oh, I just wish I would have hired a professional earlier in my investing career. Next time I come into the office, y'all shake your finger at me and give me a stern look of disapproval. (laughs) I'd be be down in Las Vegas visiting my winnings someplace a little warmer. There you go.
1: (laughs) Terry, you don't realize that we already do that.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, some things I just deserve. There you go.
0: There you go. So how are you this weekend, Terry?
3: Oh, just uh, playing with my Bitcoin. Oh, boy. But... uh, it's nice having having my one, but yeah. uh, uh, I, I know we're getting into the fine nit noise of the, the tax thing, but what do you guys feel about uh, sometime in my lifetime, probably in the next 30 years, that we'll come to a reasonable kind of tax system, um, flat tax or something to clean up all this where we don't need Tom. Oh, sorry, nothing personal there. You know what, Terry? I, I
0: would
1: happily retire <laughs> yeah. if we were to do that.
0: You <laughs> know, I think this has been talked about. I mean, I worked, I've worked. i been doing this almost 30 years, and it, it's been an ongoing discussion forever. I don't know that that ever will happen. I This is, seems to be a way that they can maneuver tax inflows quite easily by changing things. Um, and I don't think they want to give up the power. Oh, and and then
1: they control your life with it. They yep. use the tax code to control your life, and they don't want to give up that yep. control. So, it's a great idea, and they'll they'll use all sorts of interesting comments, like, "Well, it would hurt the low income people because they have to pay, you know, they don't get all the little breaks that they would now, and all this stuff." And and uh, so, yeah, they're not going to give up the power. It's a great idea; mm-hmm. makes it simple. Um, it probably is not something a politician will sign on to.
3: Nope. wait till they have a central bank digital currency and see how much control they have
0: (laughs)
1: yeah
3: but uh, oh well that's uh, a fun thing I just wanted to call in and bother y'all all
0: All right Terry we love talking to you have a great weekend
3: good day thank you
0: Uh bye-bye good morning Paul can we how can we help you today
4: hey good morning you guys I have a question Uh Um, we're we're dealing with a a mother-in-law passing away and they, uh, we went. We had a bank account for the trust, and went to the bank and let them know that she passed away, and they closed the account. And now we've been told it might go into probate. What, how, what's going to happen? Do you know anything about that?
0: Okay. Qu- first question: It was it titled in the name of her trust?
4: The bank account? Yes. I think that's why they closed it, because it, it was just the names, okay. my mother-in-law's name, and then my wife's name, he, again, she was the POA.
0: Okay, so a couple of things that you're throwing around. A trust is an entity, so if it was like uh, Mrs. Susie Smith's living trust, they would not close that because, and again, I'm getting into a little bit of legalese here, not an attorney, throw that disclaimer on there real quick. With that, they would look for the trust document and let a successor trustee, which probably would have been your wife, step in and take over. So it sounds to me that it was a Susie Smith account and your wife was a signer. Is that right? Correct. Okay. Then yes, they, tend to, they will put that into, it, the accounts become frozen because no one's really authorized wow. because your wife wasn't an owner. She was just a signer. So those accounts are frozen until you can prove um, that there's an estate and who the executor will be. Do you have an attorney? Yes. Okay. Yeah, they'll do the estate document. They'll go to the court for you, and they'll file for letters of testamentary or personal representation forms. You take those to the bank, and then she should be able to get access to the funds through the estate as the power that's authorized.
4: Okay. Okay. So okay. It'll basically set up a different account then. Yes. Okay.
0: And you'll need a tax right. ID number and a couple other things because of uh social security numbers die with the people that had them.
1: And uh, one right. other right. thing Paul on that uh it just a uh, you mentioned POA, and it's important to say that POAs die with the person. So a PO, power of attorney isn't uh it there is no power after the person passes.
4: Yeah, and and I think that's what happened. Yeah. We, When my wife set up the account, we didn't put trust on it. Right.
0: Yeah. Does she have a trust? Yes. Okay. And see that brings us to what we talk to people about all the time. And if you have other relatives that are older that have them, make sure everything's titled in the trust, or it does no good, like this situation here. Yeah. Okay. And you might ask your uh, attorney to too. And again, I'm touching into legal where I'm not allowed to, but I just want to give you one other idea that we've seen. If it's an under $100,000 estate that wasn't in the trust, there are some things called small estate affidavits. So ask about that as well. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you guys. You're welcome. Have a great weekend.
4: Alrighty, uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. And
0: you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. alright right. We're going to take our last break. When we come back, we're going to wrap up a couple of things on social security, which Tom and I found out something very interesting on this. If you're thinking of filing early, to maybe discourage you from doing so, but we'll talk about that when we get back. Please give us a call, 580-K-I-D-O, Stone at petsofinancial.net. Good morning. Welcome back to Money Matters. Jennifer Stone and Tom Brown filling in for Dave Petso today. Uh, again, we've been talking all things taxes, and it hasn't been quite as boring as I thought it would be.
1: I know. It's exciting. You should do this all all,
0: all the, time. the time. No, no. Once should, a year, this maybe. Is
1: really <laughs> this afternoon, I'll be talking about it every hour on the hour.
0: Perfect. And I'm sure glad I won't be. I'll be kicking <laughs> up and relaxing. But again, if you have questions, we do have plenty of time for phone calls before the end of the show. Uh, 580-K-IDO. You can shoot me an email, jstone at petsofinancial.net. If there's something you want clarified or have additional questions on, let us know. Before we dive into the Social Security teaser that I gave, I wanted to say one more time, if you've created a trust, and we see this all the time, people go in they get the trust document, they walk out, they're happy, their lives are golden, everything's done, but they don't take that next step. You create a trust with an attorney, they provide it to you, now your work starts. They've done the work to create the trust, now it's your turn to do work. What that means is assets that you've listed in the trust need to be titled in the name of the trust. Your home, your investment accounts, whatever that looks like. If you don't, They don't just magically go into the trust because you now have one. It has to change the titles. We see this frequently. We have people call and we've worked with them and we're going through and talking and saying, okay, we just want to check on your estate plan. Um, This is how your account's registered. Do you need anything changed? Oh, I have a trust. Well, when did you get the trust? Oh, last year. Well, we need to retitle it. Don't forget that step. Some attorneys will help you. Some attorneys want verification that it was done. Others just give you a letter inside that nice, pretty box and you need to take it from there. So please make sure you take those final steps or you've wasted a lot of money because it doesn't affect anything. Right.
1: And then after the fact, you have to do similar to what Paul was talking about. Now you're going to have to go through probate when the whole point of having the trust was not having probate.
0: Yep. So be sure, be sure, be sure you know what you're doing when you get that trust. Most attorneys we know of that do it and do it well help guide you through that. But a lot of times they say now it's on your own and they may even mention it in the meeting, but you're like, well, I don't know what that means. Put it in the trust. Be sure you contact your financial advisors, attorneys and advisors work hand in hand to be sure your estate is carried out the way that you wish. Yep. Okay. All right. So social security <clears throat> this year, as you all know that have it, you've got a really nice cost of living adjustment. I believe it was 8.7%. The biggest we've seen in a very, very long time. So Tom and I, who are rabbit hole people, we said to each other, well, how does that affect someone who's decided not to file yet? We all know your it increases automatically by 8% a year, but do you also get a cost of living adjustment? Because we thought, well, would you? Because why would you not, right? Mm-hmm. So as we looked at this, and we had people bring in last year's statement versus this year's, their benefits jumped dramatically. So how it works is cost of living does apply to your basic benefit. Then depending on how old you are, it adjusts and you get that additional increase. So if you think leaving money on the table, if you don't take it at 62, stop for a minute and think about that. Just using round numbers, if you get the automatic 8% plus 8.7, that's 16.7% more income for the rest of your life by waiting. That's just one year adjustment. It takes forever to make that break even. And you can run every spreadsheet in the world, but every statement is linear, right? They don't adjust for cost of living because we don't know until that year. So if you're just running a, I'll break even by the time I'm 75 or whatever, don't forget, there's other factors that you have to think about. Also, if you are a higher earner than your spouse, the higher benefit lives forever. There's so many things to think about when you're going into your income phase of retirement. Don't just go, my buddy took it at 62, I'm doing it. That's not the answer, really look at your numbers.
1: Yeah, and remember if inflation stays high, then the COLA will continue to be higher than normal in these coming, could be in these coming couple of years at least, so really think about that. If, if you're thinking, well, maybe I'll take it now or take it in two years. Well, yeah. this is really a good idea of looking at that two years.
0: Yeah, one of my favorite stories, we have a, a gentleman that loves his job. He's worked forever, but he hit the age of 65 and his parents are telling him you should retire. So he's talked about it with them, and they keep encouraging him to retire. And he keeps telling me, but I don't want to retire. So some of it comes to just because you reach a certain age doesn't mean you have to retire if you love what you're doing just because you're eligible for Social Security. It will continue to grow. So if you work, you make more. That also increases your benefits. So continuing to work past the age that you're told you should retire doesn't have negative effects.
1: Yeah. No, it's all positive. Yeah,
0: especially if you love what you do.
1: Right. And remember that if you're the higher earner in a marriage, um, then that higher amount will, if you pass away before your spouse, they get that for the rest of their life too. Mm -hmm. So it can be a big benefit over both your lives.
0: Correct. Correct. And so look at this. Ask for help. Call Social Security. Get some numbers. Go online. They've got decent calculators that you can run your own numbers with as well. But that's a part of it too understand every income source where it's coming from how it'll be taxed so a question that comes up often is what's the difference between the standard deduction and itemizing why is this such a big deal why do people talk about it all the time so because i love taxes i'm going to turn this over to tom and let him kind of explain the difference between standard deduction and itemizing and how that affects
1: okay so standard deduction is the deduction that the irs automatically gives you based upon your filing status so you have single married filing jointly married filing separate and head of household and so they're basically saying that first amount that you make is tax free so for married filing jointly it's 20 in 2023 that's going to be $27,700 if you're under 65 so so that means that that first 27,700 is tax free and and you get that right off the top Now, they have a different thing, like Jennifer mentioned, itemized deductions, and they say if your itemized deductions, which include the basics, can be medical expenses, um, but there is a limitation on that, but it's property taxes, state income taxes, mortgage interest, and uh, charitable donations, those are the big ones. There's a few others, but those are the, the more common ones. If that amount totaled is over your standard deduction for your Tax filing status, then you get that. So it's the best of that. But you have to enter all that data in and make sure it does. You it goes over that.
0: Don't excuse me. Don't they limit how much of your income, state income tax you can deduct now? Though didn't they yeah, so, cap that? So
1: good good clarification. So property taxes and state income taxes are limited to ten thousand. So when you heard the salt, when they always talking about the salt uh, deduction, all that. That's that's that limitation. So if you have a lot of state income tax and it's over $10,000 and that's state income tax that's withheld from your W-2 or you paid state income tax last year and that's over 10,000, then you maxed out. So if you had $24,000 of state income tax, you're you're only getting 10. Mm -hmm. And then then on charity, then it's up to the charity. One question I get a lot is uh, that Amount that you give non-taxable is limited to 500, and that is not true. You can give thousands, tens of thousands of dollars of non-tax, non-cash donations. The 500 dollar limit just says if you give less than 500 dollars, you don't really have to give any uh, detail of what you give. If it's over 500 dollars, you have to. List out more of what you gave and, and so forth.
0: So those are charitable donations. So so mm-hmm. in other words, uh, if you give to the Idaho Youth Ranch, uh, Salvation Army, uh, any of those mm-hmm. folks in town, if you give them money or stuff, mm-hmm. you have to verify over five hundred dollars.
1: But only on the stuff. Okay. The cash you don't. Cash is cash. But if you give, but that's why I get. Well, I only can give five hundred dollars, so that's all I have to. I go. No, you can. I had a we had a client that gave a plane to the to the Idaho State University, it was worth twenty five thousand dollars, and so, it so it's it's something that people have this thing in their mind that's five hundred dollars, mm-hmm. or they have their it's in their mind the Idaho Youth Ranch did credit where you can give up, and get two hundred dollars, so he goes, I have right, four hundred dollars, that's gotcha, it. Gotcha, gotcha. But you can do a lot more than that.
0: Yeah, and there's also um, we're running really close here, so I just want to get one more thing into with the educational component. If you give there's a special mm-hmm. a, a special double. donation, so...
1: Right, you can give... So if you're married, you can give up to $2,000 to an educational entity, whether it's a school, library, museum, uh, and you can get up a $1,000, and then you get a $1,000 credit on the state of Idaho. Uh, single, it's half that. So you get the charitable donation as a donation, and you can get the additional credit.
0: Good, good. Yeah, that's something to think about if you're giving... Uh, it's great to give. We all want to give, but if there's a tax benefit to it, there's that's always important too. So don't think, oh, I'm giving because I want to give. I'm not worried about the tax benefit. Look at this, okay? Again, we spent a lot of time on taxes. If you have questions throughout the week, feel free to shoot me an email, jstone at petsofinancial.net. Contact Tom at Marathon Tax, and we look forward to talking to you next time. Have a wonderful weekend.